gosh, trying to be super cool in life. And my dad said, you know, you really need to marry somebody that makes you laugh because you take life too seriously. That was some good advice. That was some good advice. There's not a day being married to Matt Drain that he doesn't make me smile, don't make me laugh. Tree 
Even our Savior, Jesus Christ, came from a very messy family tree. Um, and so we're going to look at some of those, those original, right? Not the original eight. We're going to look at kind of like an original four. Um, but it's good to know, right? It's good to know about our family. Like, we want to know the good things and the legacy that we want to continue. And then sometimes it's important to know the bad things and the things we don't want to continue and the things we want to walk out of, right? It's important to know those things. It's important to know our history. Like, we live in Memphis, and Memphis is a cool city, you guys. Memphis has some cool history. The University of Memphis has some cool history. I'm also, like, super aware that I am, like, an American, and I live in the South, and we're a hot mess, right? Like, it's like, there's, there's good that we learn from, and we want to continue, and then there's bad that we learn from and walk out of, right? And we can even get that with the Bible, with the stories, because these, these men that we're going to learn about over the next four weeks, right, they're um, sometimes called the patriarchs. Like, if you were in an Old Testament studies class, they would call them the patriarchs. That word doesn't hit so well in 2021. So we're just going to call them their names, which is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, okay? Um, but we're going to start a series that's going to look at who we come from as God's people, who those original people that founded our faith are. We're going to go back to the book of Genesis. And the really cool thing is, like, they're really real dudes. Like, God uses them to, like, start this faith that we're now a part of. And also, they're regular dudes. Like, they mess up a lot. Sometimes they blow it huge. But to me, that's, it's almost kind of encouraging because if God can use them, and, and I can read that they totally blew it, and God used them anyways, then maybe God can use me, even when I totally blow it because I'm superhuman and I put my foot in my mouth multiple times a day. And so if God can use Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their mess, maybe he can use me. Um, so I really love them. I really love that they're real. And I think it's also one of the reasons when we talk about the Bible, like we're going to talk about a pizza and theology, that I really think scripture just shows itself to be absolutely true. Like you guys, if you were making up a story and you were writing down, right? Like Chris, if you were writing down, like this is the story of Chris and how he started Chi Alpha Memphis, right? Um, which he didn't, and it helps. And so, like, they're writing a story together. But if they were to write the story, like, they're going to be great, right? But then, so how, one of the reasons I really, 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 truly believe the Bible is true is, like, these guys are writing the story, and there's all these flaws and failures and mess. And it's like, if it wasn't true, you would not be like, I'm going to write down my story and then write about how I was a big jerk and how I lied and how I did, you know, and we'll get into it. Y'all led you some messed up stuff. So it's like, I think in the mess, when we read about that in scripture and we read about people in their lives are messy, it just points to like, this is for real. Like this actually happened, right? Because if you're making it up, you don't tell, tell a bunch of stories on yourself about how you made a mess, right? So if God can use people to mess up, maybe he can use me too. Um, so to catch you up with where we're going to start, we're going to kind of speed run through the first few things you need to know. Okay, first, there's this thing called the Bible. It's God's word. Just kidding. Um, not really, but, but kidding. Okay, but secondly, if you open the Bible, like the paper Bible, to the first page, what book are you in? 
Genesis, yes, Genesis. And we get the creation story. And Genesis just means beginning. Um, so in Genesis 1-1, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You can read on from there. But basically, God starts creating. And he makes light. He makes darkness and oceans and seas and dry lands and day and night, plants, fish, birds, other animals. And then he makes man in his own image. So in Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God created. He created you. He created the world. He created all the things. Right? And, and you may have questions about that. And if you do, like, talk to me, Matt, any of our staff. We love to have a one-on-one and talk about creation. But we're going to move on for tonight because that's not the point of this message. Right? Um, so God created all the things. He made man in his image. And then just a few pages later, if you're looking in your paper Bible, we get to Genesis 3, where man messes it up. Right? Sin enters the world, so man does wrong. And so basically, there's one rule. They disobey it. They eat the fruit. There's disobedience. They're cast out of the garden. And sin enters the world. And the Bible says that every person since Adam has been born into sin. And so we all sin now. And so Adam and Eve get cast out of the garden. There's some curses that go with that. They have kids, Cain and Abel. One of them kills the other one. And people in general start to have the sin problem because we know sin doesn't ever stay small. It always escalates. It always escalates. But there's some people that really love God, like Enoch, but eventually the sin problem gets so widespread that God decides he's going to wipe out all of humanity with a flood, and he's going to use this one guy, Noah, to build a really big boat and put his wife and his family and a bunch of animals on it so that they'll be saved and he can start over. And at the end of that, there's a rainbow, and God won't do that again, but there's still sin, and people are still messed up. And Tower of Babel happens, everyone gets scattered into where our story starts tonight. So super fast, but check it out. If you want to know more, you can read it. Yeah. You can read it. Like, you could go home tonight, and you could open at page one, and you can read it. And I really encourage you to do that. If you don't know these stories, if you didn't grow up hearing those, these stories, some of you did. You grew up in church, you're blessed. I didn't. Right? So really when I first started coming to church, people would be like, you know the story of Adam and Eve? And I'm like, eh, kind of like what I saw on some really messed up cartoon version, but like I don't really know. Like maybe go read it if you don't know it. But we're going to start in Genesis 11, the end of that, in Genesis 12. And that's where our boy Abraham enters, right? And so this is the very beginning of God's huge rescue story. It's the beginning of my rescue story, of your rescue story, and the rescue story of the entire world. So God starts all the way back in those first pages of your Bible with a rescue story with you in mind and with me in mind. And it's, it is really cool. And he starts with this guy, Abraham, right? So in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says this. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So did you catch what God said there? God is sending Abram out from Ur, and he said he's going to bless him. But what's really important is not that God's going to bless him. It's why he's going to bless him, and it's this. He's going to bless him so that he can be a blessing 
He's going to bless Abraham so he can be a blessing. So is it just to bless his family and his friends and his own life? No. It says all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So check it out. Are you part of a family on earth? Yes. So then what God did in Abraham is to bless you. You're part of a family? Like, like you were born? You're human? God intended to bless you through what he did with Abraham. So Abraham is sent by God to be a blessing. And it says he's going to bless the nations. So like from the very beginning, God's not only just going to rescue for himself one dude, Abraham, like he did with Noah and his family. He's not only going to rescue for himself one people group. He's going to rescue for himself through the sky all the nations of the earth. He has a plan that every single person on this earth will have an opportunity to be made right with him and be in relationship with him. Y'all, that's huge. That's huge. But that's what God is doing in Abraham. So God tells him, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. And this is really important for us, too, because when God blesses us, it's always so we can be a blessing. God doesn't ever bless us and like give us the thing just so we can be like, I'm happy now. No, it's like if God gives you a blessing, he intends for you to use that blessing for his kingdom and to bless those around you, right? And really to bless the nations. So if you're blessed, it's to be a blessing. And this is really important. It's not just for Abraham. It's not just for this dude that lived like thousands of years ago. It's, it's for us. If God blesses you, it's to be a blessing. So let's look at how Abraham responds. Picking up in verse 4 of Genesis 12. It says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, all the people he had taken to his household at Haran. And he headed for the land of Canaan. And when they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Sechem, and there he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abraham built an altar, and there he dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abraham traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and I to the east. And there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. So God has called Abram. He gets a name, a name change, right? This is Abraham, but he becomes Abraham later. At this point, he's Abram. And Abraham, Abraham has responded, but this second paragraph that we're reading, it gives us some interesting information. All right, first off, it tells us this dude is 75 years old. Anybody 75 yet? Now, Matt and I are not even 75 yet, right? We're not 75. He's, he's pretty old. So he calls this man at 75, and he tells him not only is he going to bless his descendants, but he's going to make a nation out of them and use those descendants to bless the whole world. And there's another thing, like sometimes when we're reading the Bible, we look at what the text says, right? And sometimes we look at what the text leaves out. So who did Abraham take with him? He took his wife, took his nephew Lot, right? He took his servants, he took a bunch of animals. Who's missing? He didn't take any kids. God's saying, I'm gonna give you this land and your descendants, your kids, are going to become a nation. And like, check it out, he does not have any kids. 
So Abraham trusts him on this, but like he doesn't have any children. That's kind of an important part of the story. He says, I'm going to bless your kids. <laughs> Abraham doesn't have any. Right? And this information teaches us some important things about God. God wasn't concerned about calling somebody who was older. Right? He wasn't concerned that like Abraham wasn't the most young or energetic or just the person that you would think, like, I'm going to call somebody like that one looks like sharp and young and energetic and ready to go. And I don't know about you guys, but... For me, personally, this is kind of encouraging because at some point you hit an age where you get tired and, like, God can still use you when you're old and tired. I'm assuming this is older and tired or, I don't know, I'm not 75, right? So God wasn't concerned about calling somebody who was older. God wasn't concerned with calling someone who had a perfect life already in place for him to move through. Y'all, sometimes we think, i got to become this perfect person and i got to be, like, just in the right position so then God can use me. But check it out. God calls this man to bless the whole world through his descendants who doesn't have any kids. He could have picked somebody that already had 12 kids or at least two kids. He picks a guy that doesn't have any. Instead, God called a man who heard him and responded with obedience and worshipped him. So we look at what God is looking for. The person God wants to use He's not looking for somebody that looks super qualified or has put themselves in this perfect position. He's just looking for somebody that's going to listen to him and obey. That's what he wants, is somebody that's going to listen and obey. And so God doesn't need us to be be ready or to act a certain way or to, to be a certain way. He just needs us to respond to him in obedience and worship. So we just read the beginning of God's rescue story for the whole world. We're going to skip a few things so we have time to talk about God's covenant that he makes with Abraham because that affects us. Um, But like I challenged you earlier, you can go back and read it. Right? Right? Like you you could potentially this weekend after homecoming sit down, pour you a cup of coffee or hot chocolate or whatever it is for you. I like coffee. And like read you some Genesis and figure out like, hey, where did where did I come from? Because check it out, Adam and Eve, it's all of us, right? All of us. Um, but you could go back and look at it. But in there is the parts with his nephew Lot and the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and then the story of Hagar, which is Abraham, Hagar and Ishmael, which is Abraham's first child. We'll talk about that a little bit in a second. And then the birth of Isaac, who's God's promised son that he's gonna build this nation through. So the covenant is in Genesis 15 and it says this. I'm like, take a deep breath because it's going to be a minute of reading, right? Some of you guys will be the most Bible you read this week, but that's okay because this weekend you can read more. Um, right, so Genesis 15, one, it says, sometime later the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, don't be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you. And your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? So check it out. At this point, he's been going. He's been following. He's been obeying. And he's starting to be like, still don't have a kid, God. Right? So he says, since you haven't, you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, 
Your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord said, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. And Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So a lot of animals. So Abraham presented all these to him and killed them. And he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. You guys, I'm so glad we don't make covenant this way today because your girl is squeamish, right? But that's, that's what they did. And after the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to you, to your descendants, all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. So that's a lot of words, right? It's a lot of words. Why is it so important? First, God made a promise to Abraham. And it says this. It says, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So God promised him, and Abraham did what? He believed it. He believed the promise. At this point in the story of the Bible, there's no law, so there's no rules to follow to be made right with God. Scripture tells us Abraham was made right with God through his faith. And this is how we please God as well. Today, this is how you please God, right? We trust him because we trust what he says, and when we trust in what God says, we're counted as righteous. It's not anything we do. It's not any rules we follow. It's that we believe he is who he says he is, and God looks at us and he counts us as righteous because of that. So this is also before Jesus, but this covenant is looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, because just like Abraham has an heir of promise, God also has a son through whom he's going to continue to accomplish his ultimate plan of redemption for all mankind. So Abraham starts, Jesus is a descendant way later, but Jesus' story, like as far as his ancestors, starts all the way back here with Abraham. So God counts us as righteous because of our faith when we believe in him. Second, God promised Abraham and he basically swears on himself. Like, God swears on himself because there's nothing bigger if you're God to swear on, right? He can't be like, I swear on the spot. Like, no. Like, God's the one that, like, made the word right. There's nothing bigger, so God swears on, on himself. And he makes a covenant that can't be broken because he, God, is limitless. And he swore on himself. So basically, as he makes this covenant and he swears on himself, the Lord does... It can't be broken, right? Because, like, God's unstoppable. This means that when God says Abraham will have a son, it's going to happen. Like, it means if God said this promise, he swore it on himself, it's going to come to pass. It also means that when God said he would bless Abraham so that he could be a blessing to the whole earth, including us, it will happen. We're part of what God started with Abraham and fulfilled ultimately in Jesus Christ. And so, because, like, right, you may not be Jewish, you may not be a descendant of, like, ancient Israel, right? 
You may be, but you may not be. But because of what Jesus did, he made a way that we could all be adopted in God's family. We don't have to be a literal blood descendant of Abraham. We can all be adopted in God's family. And he did that when he came and he was born of a virgin and he lived this sinless life and he worked miracles. And then he like suffered and he was beaten and he was whipped and ultimately he was nailed to a cross and he died for my sins and for your sins and for the sins of the whole world, right? Because we talked about all the way back in Genesis 3 and ever since this world has had a sin problem. And Jesus came and he lived that perfect life as God in human flesh so that he could die as that perfect sacrifice. So that like, we don't have to make covenants or we cut animals in half anymore. We don't have to go to a temple and offer sacrifices. We can just trust on what Jesus did by faith and be counted as righteous. Right? Like that's like the, the what started with Abraham coming to full fulfillment. And when we do that, we can be adopted into God's family. We can be children of God. And God sees us as a child of Abraham when we, when we trust on that. And so you guys, um, as we're starting to wrap up, there's a few more thoughts. But like, if you've not done that, if you've not said, hey, Jesus, I need you to make me right. I need you to forgive my sin and be my Lord and Savior and adopt me as your child into the family of God. If you've not done that, y'all, there is no more important thing you can do. There's not a single more important decision that you can make in this life. And so if you've not done that, I really encourage you to do that when we have time to pray tonight. Don't wait, right? There's nothing, nothing, nothing more important that you could do. And so, like I said, these fathers of faith, they were flawed. So far, Abraham sounds like a pretty good dude, right? Like, I mean, God called him. He went. He starts to have some questions. He prays about it. God answers the prayer. Like, I mean, he's, he's a pretty solid dude, right? So if you were to go home this evening, because I really encourage you to read the Bible. I really love reading the Bible. I think it's really where we learn how to live for God. You can't learn how to live for God and not read the Bible, right? So if you're going home tonight and you were to read after Genesis 15, keep reading in the story of Abraham. It's a strong hint, right? You were to read that though Abraham believed God, he started to help God when it came to seeing this promise fulfilled in a timely matter. Like we've already seen, he's kind of like, Okay, God, I trust you're going to bless me. And he did. Like, God says he was credited as righteousness, as righteous because of his faith. So, like, apparently he really did trust the Lord. But time goes on, and, like, he's not getting any younger. We already said he's old. And he's like, I still don't have a kid. This wife of mine, she's also not getting any younger. I still don't have a kid. So, at some point, Abraham starts to try and help God. He starts to try and help God, and he's like, okay, I don't have a descendant through my wife. I'm supposed to. Obviously, my servant's not going to like inherit this because God said that's not going to happen, so I need to have a kid. And he comes up with this scheme, which I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you can look at it later, where he basically takes his wife's servant and... 
he sleeps with her and she becomes pregnant and he has a first child through her. And and God, you know, he like God is not mad at Hagar, he's not mad at Ishmael. It wasn't their fault, right? But God also says, like, no, that's not the child I'm gonna bless. Because I don't need your help, Abraham. Like, I can be God all by myself. And so then after that, we see that Abraham has Isaac through his wife, just like God promised. And y'all, that when we talk about family trees, like that story of, of Hagar and Ishmael, like it's messy. It's messy because you have this really awesome, righteous dude, and he makes one stupid decision, and it doesn't just affect him, it affects this woman, and it affects this, this kid that like shouldn't have maybe been born in God's plan, but like he didn't have a choice about it, right? It's messy. It's messy. But oh my gosh, can you relate? Because I can relate. I can relate so much to the times that God tells me he's going to do something or God starts to work and then it doesn't happen in my time. And I'm like, well, maybe I should help you. Maybe I should step out here or maybe this door is shut, but I should just slam it open. And make a way for myself because, God, I have faith and you're going to do the thing and I'm going to make it happen. And God's like, did you not read the story? Did you not, did you not read about Hagar and Ishmael? It's not, it's not pretty. And it didn't have to be that way. And, it does, you know, like, it didn't have to be that way. Abraham could have distrusted and Jackie, you could distrust. And, y'all, there's so many times that I find myself in that place where I'm like... I'm going to make the thing God said happen. And you guys, I've, I've run into some, some glass walls real hard, <laughs> right? There's things that he's promised, and like some of them I've been waiting. And I've been waiting, and, and you know, like, if he's going to do it, he's going to have to do it, because I'm really at a point where I'm tired of trying to make it happen, right? But there's other things where it's like, Man, I've seen his goodness. I've waited, and I've waited, and I've waited. And then, like, one day, out of nowhere, like, there's the answer. God just does it, like, just like that. Like, one of those things, um, just real quick, before I pray, just like a personal testimony things. One of those things I used to try and make happen, right? And this is this is a big one. So, you guys, I, I grew up in a home. My parents didn't know Jesus. Um... My mom was really hostile to the faith. I became a believer at 15 out of some like sexual assault trauma, and the Lord like just met me in that. Entirely changed my life as I was like walking out of that situation. I just met the Lord, and and it was completely changed. And I'm like, everybody needs to know Jesus, right? So like, talk to these pastors. Like, your family needs Jesus, and I'm like, yeah, they do, right? So I go home, and I'm like. Jesus, I want you to I want you to save my family and like I really want you to save my mom because she's just so hostile, she's so hurting. Like you could just by the way she acted, you knew she was hurt, right? And so like I was like, I'm no winner to Jesus, right? And I would share and she would yell at me. And I would share and she would yell at me. And y'all started when I was 15. And I would share and she'd get angry and I'd share and she would tell me to shut up. And like I love my mom, but we had a complicated relationship, okay? All the way until I was 36 years old. Some of y'all good at math. 
15 to 36. So, yeah, 21 years. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so for 21 years, I would share, and there were so many times, you guys, that we would, we would go to visit, and I'm like, I'm going to make her see it today. Like, I'm going to help God, right? And probably just making her, like, more and more like, like stop talking. Right? 21 years, go to visit, sit down. I really felt like I was supposed to share. And, like, you guys, this time was different because I just waited. Like, I, I went to Atlanta. I'm there with her because she's about to have a surgery. We think, you know, it's a big deal. Um, I think it, we thought it was, it was cancer. It was. It just wasn't there. Anyway. Um, so I sit down, and, and she's like, give me a list of, like, when I got out of surgery, you got to call these people and tell me, tell them how it went, like old people do. And, like, she's going, you know, and I'm just like, Lord, show me. So I'm, like, listening. Like, all day I follow her around. We run errands. And, I, and like, the whole time my prayer is just like, Lord, show me. Finally that night, she's, like, going over the list again. And I just kind of put my hand real quietly on her, on, on her paper. And I was like, Mama, please. Can I just say one thing? And she's like, what is it? And I was like, you know, I really love you. And someday I believe that, like, I'm going to, because I believe in Jesus, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to be there forever. And I really want you there, too. Which is way differently than I've ever shared. And then from there, I shared the gospel. And I said, like, Mama, what do you think of that? And she was like, yeah. I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Y'all, 21 years. And it's like God was working. He knew what he was doing. But so many times I was like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. You know, and I think just in it, like God is faithful. He doesn't need our help. And at the right time, like he came in. And then it's like the next year of her life, she had cancer. It was really bad. And then she passed away. But do you know like the peace in that, when you've lived your entire life, your mom's been hostile, God, and you're, like, terrified that this woman is going to, like, die and go to hell. Like, really, that was my biggest fear. For the last year of her life, as, as she's going down the hill, to be able to pray over her. To be able, when the pain was bad, to put my hand on her and just pray, like, hey, Jesus, will you help us? To, to be able to know that, like, when she took that last, last breath and I was there, that, like, there's not pain, there's not cancer. She's forever in heaven with God and Today, she's in heaven completely healed. And she knows Jesus better than I know him, right? But God had that plan, right? God had that plan. And all those times I've tried to help him, you know, and, and not that it's bad to share, like we share, but sometimes I'm like, man, if I had just listened to you, Lord, like what had happened earlier, if I was like, hey, show me when, instead of just being like, I'm gonna make you listen, because um, I can be intense, y'all have met me, you know. You know, so God doesn't need, he doesn't need our help. Um, he doesn't need us to, like, make the air happen, right? He doesn't need us to, like, make the thing that he's promised happen. He just wants us to, like, trust him and look at him and obey. So when he speaks, we obey. But we're not like, hey, you promised this thing, and now I'm going to assume all this stuff you're going to speak to get me there. I'm really good at that. So I super relate to that part of his story. Um, so, like, to recap our main ideas, and then we're going to pray, right? God blesses us to make us a blessing, 
and he wants to use us to bless the nations. God counts us as righteous by faith in Jesus. So it's just our faith and our trust in what Jesus did that makes us righteous. And God will do what he promises. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our help. Um, so we're going to take some time to pray. You want to play? Okay. You guys, the blessing it is to have somebody else that plays piano and not have to go play it. Um, that's just a really sweet moment. Thank you for being here and playing that piano. So we're going to pray. And, and there's a few things I want to ask you guys so you can think, and then, and then we'll take time to pray. But I'll tell you what we're going to pray ahead of time. Cool. Um, so you can think about it. So the first one is just, do you need to trust Jesus as your Savior and allow God to adopt you into his family? If that's you, we're going to pray about it. The second one is there's somewhere God is calling you or something that God's calling you to do. Is he calling you to trust and have faith in some area? We're going to pray about it. Is there somewhere God has blessed you that you sense he wants to use you as a blessing? So sometimes we know God's blessed us. We're kind of holding on to it. And God may be calling some of you guys like, man, I blessed you. And I want you to step out and use that blessing for my kingdom in this way, right? And then the last one, is there somewhere that you're trying to help God accomplish what he's promised you? And so if that's you, we're going to pray that you would have strength to wait on God, just to wait on his timing and stuff. Um, So just in general, as as we're chilling here, I want you guys all to stand. And then uh, Matt and Derek, if you guys will come. And then uh, I'm going to call out Anna. Right. Call out Brandon. Call out Hope. Chris. Some of you alone that feel comfortable praying for people. And if any of those, and if any of those spoke to you, say, man, I need to know Jesus is my Savior. I sense that God's calling me somewhere. Man, I've been trying to help God in this way. I just need to trust Him. If any of those speak to you, I'm going to pray and then um, just a general prayer rest. And then when I say amen, if that's you, I just encourage you to come forward. Um, and just respond to what God's doing in your heart tonight. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for what you did through Abraham, what you started there, that God, you brought to a good completion in Jesus. And God, we just ask that, um, Lord, you would move in hearts, you would move in lives tonight. God, you would help us um, to walk away from this change and closer to you. God, 